Welcome to WP Tonic Roundtable Podcast, where a panel of leading WordPress junkies discusses the latest WordPress and internet stories of the week. Now, on with the show with your moderator, Jonathan Denwood. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Roundtable Show. This is episode 630, recording this on the 17th of September 2021. We do this around 8.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time every Friday. You can join us on the WP Tonic Mastermind Facebook group and you can watch us live and comment and take the mickey out of me. <clears throat> that's my purpose. I've got a great panel. Uh, my co-host, Andrew uh, Palmer, is going to be a little bit late, but he will be joining us. Um, like I said, I've got a great panel. I've got a great set of stories. I'm going to let the panel quickly um, introduce themselves. We've got Tom... We've got Tom back. Tom, can you quickly introduce yourself to the tribe? Sure. Uh, Tom Finelli. I'm the CEO and founder of Convesio, and we are a scalable WordPress hosting provider. And a very good one. Um, I've got my friend um, Spencer. Spencer, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. It's Spencer Foreman from, uh, well, it says Launch Flows there, but or WP Launchify. Yeah, they're both great companies. Um, and I've got Sally. Sally, my friend Sally, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. I am Sally Getch, the WP fangirl and disorganized organizer of the East Bay WordPress meetup. I don't think your sound is actually going through your speaker, your mic, actually, Sally. Oh, Oh, it's very strange sounding. Um, it sounds a little tinny. Tinny, sounding very tinny. Um, oh, that's why. Yes, there you go. And the main thing is, Sally, um, the main news of the week is your cat's recovering, Sally. This is, this is the important bit. Um, uh, yes, fortunately. There we go. Uh, yeah, we're using the camera mic instead of the microphone for some reason. Um, uh, she's doing fine. Uh, she had to have three teeth removed, um, poor thing, but uh, uh, she's on soft food for another week, but she may yet be joining us. She, she's otherwise... Oh, she's always welcome. Yeah. My fit, my viewing figures expand enormously with the cats coming on the show. Um, I've, <laughs> I've got my co-host, the only Andrew Palmer. Andrew, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers, to the tribe? Hello, I'm Andrew Palmer with, with a bit of a ha bad hair day. Um, from Bertha.ai today. All right. Yeah, it's, it could go all public. Right. Before we go into the main stories of the week, and I think I've got some excellent ones, <clears throat> I want to talk about Costos. Costos, um, a great platform. If you're looking to get into, oh dear, if you're looking to get, um, listeners and viewers, Spencer's most enjoyable thing is to put me off in mid phrase, so there we go. He's just done it. Uh, um, but um, our great sponsor, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a great. I saw Andrew was wearing those headsets that oh, I right. recently discovered. Uh, yeah, there we go. Um, Castor, or whatever they're you, called. Have you finished? Let, let the poor man praise his sponsor. Robert. Yeah, can I, I, getting, can I actually? It's rather important, Spencer. They do. They do spend a lot of money with me. Uh, um, uh, Sorry. Get, yeah, that's fine. Thank you, Spencer. Uh, Castos is a great <laughs> platform, and if you're looking to get into podcasting for yourself or for clients, you should really look at them. I joined them uh, about six or seven months ago. I've just been blown away. I bought my own plan with my own money. 
got into discussions with them with Matt Medeas, head of sales and customer experience, and also Craig, the founder. They are just great people, great in the WordPress community, and they just got a great platform. If you want to get into podcasting, like I say, for yourself or for your clients, you need to look at what they've got to offer. It's amazing value. So go over there, buy one of their plans and tell them that you heard about them on the WP Tonic show. You'll be supporting the show and the tribe. So, so let's get into the meat of this. Um, If I can get my show notes in a position where I can read them, which would be helpful. So, um, W Engine launches, oh, I can't pronounce this even, for, for, first, Faust, 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 Faust the German. Faust, you must know the story of Faust. Yeah, I do, and the philosopher, the German philosopher that wrote it. So, Spencer, what did you think of this story, Spencer? Well, I think this demonstrates where the future probably lies, but it also revealed to me some of the same difficulties if you branch out into a headless WordPress. And essentially, for those that don't know what the hell is going on here, WordPress provides a very solid back-end data management system. Let's put it in layman's terms, where you know you can add the data, you can manage the data, you can do all kinds of stuff. But some people have ventured out into the world of, what if we just separated that from the front-end display stuff and we created very dynamic, based on JavaScript and running in the browser, the client interfaces to show the data in new and unique ways. And so it's really exciting because for those that are geeky, you don't have to use all the PHP, HTML, CSS, or even... Because it's just ever so much easier to write and react. Well, exactly, right. So (laughs) here's where the plus plus and the minus revealed itself to me about that. I think the term is robbing Peter to pay Paul. So just at the moment where we're sort of rounding the corner on realizing the We've all finally decided to use the same rules in this baseball game or football game, or we're all using the same tools for this framework of WordPress. Now the geeks have branched out, and I don't mean this in a bad way, into what if we decided to just change the whole way we display stuff on the front end? Now, I think it's exciting because they're going to end up doing a lot of stuff that's going to take a lot of time. And for many corporate or enterprise solutions, it's really amazing because then you can dump all the other problems. But for the layman's, it just sort of makes one more layer of, what are you talking about? Like, what, what's going on here exactly? So hopefully they keep those channels separated nicely so that the mainstream people who come into WordPress don't have to second guess how a WordPress site works for them. But for, you know, the hardcore enterprise level people, they have another mechanism to use the same backend. So, Tom, I'm not W, you know, they bought Genesis and... It was always part of WordPress, but it was also its own effective silo. And Mm -hmm. then that effectiveness was, you know, Sally would argue with me about what I'm just about to say. But in my opinion, its effectiveness as a silo was diminished. Um, Are they trying to get the magic back in some ways with this? Well, look, here's the deal with WP Engine. You got to think of this from their perspective. And I'm doing a little bit of crystal ball reading here when I talk about this. And I've, I've said this before. If you're WP Engine and you're preparing to have an IPO, okay, 
you have to grow revenue. It's a lot harder to grow revenue at 150 million than it is to grow it at 10. And so if you're them and you're losing customers going to headless alternatives, they're going to be the bigger enterprise customers. Okay. And so I looked at this like, I think it's awesome. I think it's great. I don't think we're anywhere close to headless or decoupled being mainstream for the vast majority of people using WordPress. But I think those high value enterprise customers with dev teams on their website, they're going to use that stuff. And WP Engine doesn't want to lose those customers because they're their high value customers. Now, with the whole thing of like Genesis and all that kind of stuff, I think there's kind of this bifurcated approach, right? You've got this headless stuff, which I think is clearly in the future forward enterprise high value space, but you also have them trying to get the more, I don't want to use starter to indicate it's like, you know, but they're agencies, they're people who need tools and toolboxes. And I always thought the Genesis acquisition was to acquire those people, you know, to get them in the fold. I personally don't love the idea of hosts bundling a bunch of products and services. People need to figure out what they want to use that's right for their business. And so it it just, you know, I think they acquired the Genesis and did that whole thing to acquire a customer base. And yeah, um, yeah, so I want to bring Andrew in before I bring you in, Sally, because I like you to hear the other, because I know you're big in the Genesis community. Sally. So, Andrew. I'm about the same size in the Genesis community as I am everywhere else, but. I wasn't referring to that in any shape or form, Sally. <laughs> I'm a gentleman. I would doubt you're very slim anyway. Uh, um, Andrew, what would what do you think about this? Well, Tom's comments are interesting because he's a host, right? So, um, or a host application helper, if you like. Um so, you know, Tom, your insights are, are very valuable. But the, the point, I think, of WP Engine et al. Uh, um, acquiring Genesis in the first beginning was, was, was a lot. GoDaddy have got their own website building um, option in motion, have Bold Grid, um, which also is, is sold out to other hosts as well as a, as, a, as a website building tool. I think part of the acquisition of of W, of Genesis was that WP Engine needed to have a solution for their customers that weren't website builders. Um, with the application of Faust, they're kind of, it's not even developer centric, really, I don't think. I think it's it's aimed at the end user as well, because WP Engine are going to have to, you know, like you said, it's, it's harder to scale at 150 million than it is 10 million or 1 million or 100,000, whatever it is. So they, the way they're going to scale is they do, they'll do their 25 quid a month and they'll say, right, here's a, here's a website. It's already and it's headless. So it's going to be really, really fast because they're going to go on the fact that page speed insights are really important and they're not that important at the moment, but they will be. Um, and they, they need something to, to differentiate themselves from Stratic and companies like that and Frontity. So they're taking it. They don't, let's not forget WP Engine got a load of money. So, you know, people have given them a load of money. So they're going out and they're making these decisions based on, in my opinion, the fact that they're going to have to scrape a little bit of the third bottom of the barrel to be able to continue their growth up until IPO. And that's my opinion. And, and I would just one 
Interesting point there. I mean, I, Andrew, we'll have to see if Faust becomes, um, you know, a end user type of thing. But right now, like if you go to their homepage, the only graphic, the first graphic, which is in the bottom third of the page, is a terminal window showing how to create your app, which is very, that's going to be very foreign to people that are end users. So, Sandy, what's been the reaction of the Genesis community to this announcement? And uh, where do you think the Genesis community think WP Engine are going with, you know, what has been the internal discussion in that community, Sandy? Um, I have not actually seen any discussion about this announcement. I mean, the, the interesting thing is that, you know, the guy who is WP Engine's sort of main interface with the Genesis developer community is not following the headless stuff very closely. Uh, uh, and so the, the, the Faust thing um, uh, was new to me, and there's another uh, headless or, sort of thing that, that they've apparently got going that one of my Genesis colleagues who is into headless uh, mentioned. But I think they are kind of aimed at different types of customers, not so differently from the way you've got like WordPress.com aimed at, you know, end user customers who want things fairly simple uh, and WordPress VIP aimed at enterprise customers who like don't themselves want to necessarily want to get their hands dirty with all the complex stuff, but who need the scale and the, the, the features and are willing to pay the big bucks for it. Now, actually, you want to move your mic where it will, it's uh, actually for, better. Further? Okay, yeah, yes. Yeah. I, I don't want to be taking your ears off. It's just sometimes I, I feel like it I was, It was a it. little bit loud, but you knocked it and it actually improved it. All right, um, I'll, leave it, I'll leave it there. So, so um, you know, enterprises often use things like um, – asset management uh, uh, tools and and data management tools where they want to say, hey, we want to keep our content in in one place and create it here. And we want that content to go to like this website and this social destination and this print thing and and this, you know, internal database and this whatever. And that's kind of what the headless stuff is for, that the theory would be, you use WordPress to, to store and handle everything, but you don't have to use WordPress to display it. You can use uh, anything whatsoever. And, uh, you know, for a lot of us who, who aren't the ones who are sitting around whipping up, a, you know, React uh, uh, front-end stuff, that's not really relevant and no. it probably won't be for a long time. But as in investment, I think that... Uh, you know, uh, Tom is right about it and Spence is right about it. it. It is partly we have to look at growth and the acquisitions that hosting companies have made have also generally been we have to look at some form of differentiation. Now, the hilarious thing is they will all end up picking the same things to differentiate them, you know, themselves from each other and then it will all start again. Yeah, I think you're right. All right, this guy wants to story. The rule is. Any article that has more than four acronyms in it for yes. the tools being used, 
put it in in the geek box. It's like, oh, I grunted yeah. my NPM and, and, and MR, my GDP with the XYZ. And it's like, okay, I'm getting old yeah. here. Yeah, there we go. Um, LBJ took the IRT. Thank you very much, Sally. Let's go on to story two. Rather here, a rather large story. Um Here's why small business kinpin into it is buying MailChimp for twelve billion. What did you think of this one, Andrew? You're muted, Andrew. I wasn't listening. Oh right, this guy just. Oh god, <laughs> what a show! What a train wreck. Uh, I read it. Um, I actually had the pleasure of listening to. I listened to a regular call, How I Built This, on NPR with Guy Raz. And it's really a great show in general because they do it like a professional show. Not, I'm not talking about anything we're talking about here. I'm saying like he really produces it. They say it takes like a month to produce a show. But they did this really in-depth story of Ben Chestnut and MailChimp because I remember, kids, I'm old enough to remember when MailChimp first came out and the story of how it came out. And it's like really incredible when you hear about like an ordinary agency from Atlanta that accidentally stumbles into creating a 12 billion with a B dollar sale. Like that is freaking ridiculous. Um, the, the interesting thing to me, because I spent a lot of my time in the space of marketing automation yeah. is MailChimp three years ago took an interesting turn, which was not necessarily a bad idea considering they just sold it for $12 billion, but that like conscientiously decided not to follow the normal uh, framework of, of terms and, and methods of many marketing automation tools. For example, having lists, but also having tags and so forth and custom fields is how most of the, the CRMs work. MailChimp decided in their automation to kind of like nudge the needle a little bit farther than the old-fashioned lists, but only just a little. So their emphasis on being super simple has always ruled their choices. And it worked for them, obviously. But and as a process, I think MailChimp is the de facto beginner business tool. It, it's not at active campaign level. It's not even trying to be at like Salesforce or HubSpot or Infusionsoft or, you know, any of the other one level. It's you have a small business owner who just wants enough to keep their accountant happy, connect with certain things. And because QuickBooks or Intuit, sorry, have made a living out of, in my mind, disappointingly, going after that audience and taking advantage of their naivete. I think this is a really good acquisition for them, but I don't think that the outcome is going to be necessarily amazing for the end users. I think it's going to be kind of like GoDaddy acquiring something. And I, I, I'm a little cynical. I, I, really, I totally agree. What you, I thought that was a fantastic analyzation of my own position. I think you were spot on there, Spencer. Andrew, can, uh, you're muted, but can you join us? Do you want to comment now on this? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely want to comment because I want to co I want to comment on it from a small business perspective. You know, Intuit own QuickBooks. It's fairly obvious why they want a, a, a built-in web solution because Mailchimp. You can build your own landing pages. You can have your own um, lead generation tool. You can, you know. I actually don't disagree with Spencer that it's not active campaign. I, I swapped from active campaign to MailChimp 
and I get so much better results with Mailchimp. It's crazy how how better the results are. I don't they don't get lost in the spam. They don't get you know. I just get better results. Um, and I think from a user, so I've got a VA, and the VA loves Mailchimp. Active campaign is just too complex. It's just just. Well, it depends what you sorry, want. Sorry, I don't do. get. I don't get it. And you know the really? way that Mailchimp handle your your data and your where your lists and your you know they do do tags, you know, and they've got. They've, you can build a website in within Mailchimp just for a particular marketing campaign. And where I, I where I've used it is that I used to specialize and still do specialize in, in distress websites. So when a website goes down, you need to build a quick website, send out an email, and say this is what's going on. Or if you've got, for instance, a callback on a vehicle and you don't want it advertised on your own main website, you can you can build a distress website, and you can literally in Mailchimp you can build a landing page and another page in the contact form, connect it to your database, email it out, have have all your unsubscribes there, have all your subscribes in one hit. So Intuit have made an awesome decision to buy this. Whether or not I think it's worth 12 billion, I don't know. You know, I, I, I can't even imagine how a company like MailChimp, 12 years old, um, you know, run by people like us, which is great, you know, and they've managed to sell it for 12 billion over a period of time but the the actual value that intuit will get out of it is all of their customers all of mailchimp's customers and they all want them to do online bookkeeping tax returns accountancy and all that kind of stuff so i think it's one of the most intelligent purchases of this year to be honest i, I see where you're going sally i see where angie's going but i'm a little i don't agree with everything angie has said I think what we're looking at here, Sally, is a kind of constant contact kind of setup where I God, think I it, hope not. Well I, 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 I detest I, I, constant contact. Yeah, but what why I'm saying that is I understand why in injured it bought it because there wasn't much more growth. They dominate the accountancy area and there wasn't <laughs> You know, um, and it's a membership economy play, like all the other stuff we talk yeah, about, because yeah. they realize that they can't grow based upon new features added to the software they have. So yeah. if they acquire the user base and give everybody an all in one price every month, it becomes the come here for all your business solutions. I, and pay and stay. Also, I also, Sally, think MailChimp, for reasons I don't fully understand, got a bit lost in how they they were trying to... My experience is very different to Andrew's. Um, I found their um, automation um, solutions to be behind the curve, in my opinion. But that's my opinion. What, what do you think about this, Sally? Well, I like MailChimp and I don't like QuickBooks. So, you know, from, from a personal perspective, I'm not necessarily thrilled, but I believe, you know, I absolutely agree with what everyone has said that uh, it's a smart decision for Intuit. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, I hope it's a smart decision for, for MailChimp, although, you know, I think one can forgive a lot for $12 billion. Uh, and uh, uh, it will be kind of interesting, uh, you know, MailChimp, is known for its quirky personality as a company. Uh, and uh, uh, QuickBooks is like, quirky <laughs> is not a word that, that you would, uh, you know, or playful 
No, <laughs> and, and not necessarily appropriate for mm. accounting. Um, uh, but uh, uh, They're bringing so, the fun back to accounting. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 We'll, we'll help you do creative accounting. Yeah. Well, um, you, got good, you got a good point, Tom. Um, Sally's really put a good point here because, yeah, there were two big companies and the price, you can, you know, but there's there's a lot of money sloshing out there, not for a lot of people, but for some people, there's a lot of money sloshing around. But she's brought up the culture. These two companies are very, they're public personas. Right. Yeah, I have no idea what they're like. They're public. Into it is like internally for for the employees, but I would expect a lot more corporate than Mailchimp because that's not a high bar. Yeah. Thank you, Sally. Um, Like I was saying, Tom, um, they've got very different public personas, haven't they, Tom? To say the least, haven't they? Well, yeah, and I mean, this reminds me of the culture clash of WP Engine and Flywheel, which we've yet to see how that's going to fully play out, but very different cultures there. I'm also reminded to the, the well, the acquisition that, you know, EIG did of Constant Contact, which now is separated, I think, with the new entity that EIG went private again. But, you know, it's um, it's one of these things where I I think one of the stories we haven't touched on here, and I agree, like, I love Intuit. I like QuickBooks, so I'm surprised there's so much um, negativity on them. But I, I love them, and I, I like MailChimp, too, and I think there's going to be some awesome... I would say negativity. I just think, um, I've, not personally myself, but I've heard of a lot of stories about poor support, Oh, licensing yeah, okay. stuff, they know that kind of well, stuff. The interesting thing I read though, and uh, is that you know, the employees of MailChimp are incredibly upset at the moment over this. And uh, I don't know if you guys read any of these articles, but mm. it was all over. You know, the culture of MailChimp was they told people, We will never sell this company, and they didn't give equity to anyone. So the article I read is the two founders are going to make $5 billion each off this. That's untrue. In the actual announcement, Tom, they said they're going to, the MailChimp staff get equity. So wherever that is, again, it's false news, fake news, whatever. But if you read the, the press release of Intuit, the press release of MailChimp, they are definitely saying that over the period of the purchase period, whatever, however long that is, over three years, the, the MailChimp staff will get um, rewarded for their their service. They won't get billions or maybe even millions. They might get a couple of million each, but they certainly will be rewarded for their loyalty as, uh, to, to MailChimp. I mean, it's just something to say to, for other well, people to say. I don't know about that. I'm going to drop the article in the thing. It's a yeah. very legitimate article. And um, it's, uh, I mean, there's direct interviews with employees mm-hmm. Here and well, so probably, I, I, probably, I, I definitely think that I think Intuit probably is going to maybe well, work I think we're, deal for them going forward. I, I think we I think we're in a grey area. I think there's negotiations um, stuff going. We, we probably will comment on this next week, where the where the information is more clearer, Tom. Uh, um, so we're going to go for our break. We're coming back. A couple articles here that list the situation. We go for our break. 
we'll be coming back, folks. We've got some extra great stories. We've got bonus content, which you can only watch on the WP Tonic Mastermind Facebook group. You can only watch this show live on our group, so please join the drive on the group Facebook page. You're, you're most welcome to join us there. We'll be back in a few moments. LaunchFlows turns your WooCommerce website into a selling machine. We make it easy to create gorgeous sales funnels, no friction checkouts, order bumps, upsells, downsells, and much more. Gain full control over your buyer's journey from the top of your WooCommerce sales funnel all the way to the bottom. Best of all, you can use your favorite page builder, such as Elementor, Divi, Beaver Builder, Gutenberg, or one of the high-converting templates we've included inside. Get rid of the clunky WooCommerce shop pages and checkout process in favor of an optimized buyer flow that instantly increases conversions and makes you more money. LaunchFlows provides one-click order bumps that increase the total value of every sale with a 10-30% to 30% conversion rate. This is perfect for anyone offering complimentary products, training, or extended warranties. With unlimited upsells and downsells, your buyer's journey doesn't need to end at the checkout. Instead, we make it easy to display a series of additional offers as part of the original transaction. This is perfect for one-time offers, related products, mastermind class offers, high-ticket software sales, or subscription supplements. Not an expert? Don't worry. We've got the training and the consultation you need. WP Launchify will teach you how to get the most out of LaunchFlows with personal consultation on WordPress, WooCommerce, marketing automation, and much more. If you want to earn more money with your WooCommerce online business, you owe it to yourself to try LaunchFlows today. We're coming back. We've had some great stories. You've heard Spencer and he's launched Flow. Spencer's been really generous. He's offered the tribe a special deal, which you can get at the WP Tonic Backspace newsletter. Go to that page, sign up for our weekly newsletter. Part of that newsletter is more insights from my co-host, Andrew, and a video from me ranting on about these stories in my own personal style which I know, Tribe, you love so much. So to watch that, you've got to sign up for our newsletter. I will not be mincing my words on Story 4. I've got some real stuff to say about Story 4, which I won't say on the podcast. I'm saving it for my newsletter. So please sign up for it. Yes, Spencer, did you have something to say? Yeah, my huh? hand, hand over yeah. I think the, this would be a worthy extension of this other story for a moment. Is <clears throat> there's two founders who are nice guys. I don't think from reading, especially listening to Ben Chestnut, they were never bad guys. Like they ran the company. There was a couple instances after a big Halloween party. They said that the whole company like rioted and they sat with them. They fixed all their problems. And he seems to be definitely conscientious as a founder. But it strikes me as odd that there's even this like, hint of a problem here. Because if you were, let's say, taking the truth of the first part of that story that says $12 billion, each of them get like $5 billion, Ben and his partner, wouldn't you think that their first move would be, I'm going to donate a billion dollars of my five 
to my employees? Like, wouldn't that be your first response? Because like, from my standpoint, how could I spend $4 billion or three or two in my lifetime? Wouldn't it be better for my conscience and for my public persona to go, look, Spence got five billion bucks and he gave a billion dollars to his employees, whether he promised it or not. Because like, otherwise, aren't they just going to be thinking the worst and being outside of his house for the rest of his life and all the rest of that? Like, at a certain point, doesn't it just become like ridiculous not to do that for your own well-being? I want to get on to story get on three. It, but I, I'll but, have a conversation with you after this. Yes, yeah, sure. I, in the I bonus content, we can continue that for our bonus content. We can have a bit of a chat about that. But thank you, Spencer. So on to story three. <laughs> WordPress, uh, WordPress opens applications for in-person WordCamps. I've been traveling, folks. I went up to Portland on Wednesday, on on Tuesday, on Wednesday, I was with Rob Wolin and his Sherry, his fantastic wife, with over 80 entrepreneurs, startup entrepreneurs at his um, one-day um, Portland conf message, uh, uh, message um, conference. And it was just fantastic to be with such a great crowd of entrepreneurs and to be with Rob. It was just a fantastic conference. So I think one of the great strengths of WordPress has been its WordCamps. I plan to go to as many on the West Coast as I can as they open and spread the message of the tribe to those that don't know and should be joining us. Um, So, um, Andrew, what do you think? Are you looking for... You know, word camps coming back in person in the near yeah, future. I've already booked Porto. I've already booked Porto. The yes, European I'm going world. there as well. The biggest word camp in the world, by mm-hmm. the way, European. So, you know, I think automatic need to wake up, you know, because yeah. Europe, Europe is not the USA. Well, we going to, to Porto in June does sound a bit better than going to some godforsaken well, frozen place in December, some godforsaken place. St. Louis in October was not too hot, yeah, frankly. Yeah. But I'm, no. what I'm saying, what I'm talking about is that Europe, the Berlin one that I went to, hmm. um, 3,000 people, 3,600 registrants and about 28 to 300, 3,000 people. That's the biggest word camp in the world ever, yeah. right? So that shows that Europe... Is and they, yeah, there were some Americans there as well. It was great to, to, that they took the time to travel over, and Beaver Builder Roby was there, and you know Chris Lemmer was there, and all that kind of stuff. I believe Chris Lemmer was there. Maybe not. Maybe I saw him in St. Louis. But the point is, is that we're getting ignored in Europe by WordPress, and I need them to wake up and say, right, we are going to be more Europe centric. We're going to be more global centric. We're going to accept that the that that the, the, the Spanish-speaking world is is Argentina and Chile and you know Uruguay and all these places and Spain and whatever, and don't ignore Europe. You know there was no real big uh, yeah. You know Matt gave his speech and everything, but mm. why I'm going to Porto is because a lot of Americans are saying I want to come to Porto because I want to travel to Europe. I'm going to make a week of it or ten days of it or whatever. It's cheap. Whatever. I've always I've already booked the BNB. Well, I've already booked I'm, my flights. You know I'm I, going. I, it's that's. I'm flying to Porto, and then afterwards I'm going to see my family. So it all kind of links Perfect. up for me, Perfect. and uh, we can meet up in person. And you can buy me a few drinks, can't you, Andrew? 
Uh, we, um, can meet, we can meet up. <laughs> right. Thanks, Andrew. Uh, Spencer, um, I was talking um, to one of the um, people from Automatic in my interview show, um, and uh, Anne, um, she's the head of, um, of reorganising these word camps. I think there were some problems with word camps in some ways before the pandemic hit. Would you agree that it needs some reviving in some ways? I think you can look at this on those two levels. First of all, the word camps themselves pre-pandemic were turning into a little bit of a problem. That's being yeah. nice about it. Yeah. Uh, the second is, <clears throat> despite being fully vaccinated or otherwise, there is still the unfortunate reality of our world that there are many people who are either not vaccinated partially vaccinated, vaccinated, but able to carry it and transmit it. So to me, it seems a little bit too much too soon to start putting a bunch of people in a closed room who are coming from all over the world. And logistically, that's a problem. Because for example, I have friends who live in Great Britain still, and Great Britain has a pay-to-play COVID testing system. It costs you 400 pounds or something, and you have to take like six, eight, 10 tests to just leave the country and come back. And other places like Canada won't let you in and out or come to America. Logistically, if the world is still a bit of a shit show, doesn't it seem ridiculous to be talking like, yeah, let's all bring everybody together from around the world like the problem doesn't exist? Regardless of your political beliefs, just as a practical thing, it seems like you'd be better focused on let's do a really amazing last virtual hoo-ha and then 2023 we could start talking about Word. Well, we have to see with the microconf that there was strict protocols that you had to prove that you had been vaccinated, both vaccinations, and um, there was strict distancing and masks. But I do take what you say, yeah. but, um, but you know, one one bad apple, but, yeah, a whole bunch, yeah. yeah. Um, before I part, before I pass it on to the others, what do you think? Quickly, what do you think was one or two of the key problems with WordCamps in general before the pandemic that you see, Spencer? Kind of reminds me of, you know, back in the day, South by Southwest, the early days of South by Southwest in Austin was a like a cultural music art festival. And then it kind of evolved into a tech meetup. And for a while, it was like super hip, kind of like tech meets music meets art and all the rest. And then it turned into basically something that to my mind would be like going to Las Vegas to the electronic show or something where it just was fully corporatized and the rest of it. And I think that the problem is that depending on where you go to a word camp, you get a mix of like, Oh, I can't believe I'm here to, Oh, I can't believe I wasted my time coming here because it really depends a lot on the organization, the speakers, the topics and so forth. And there's no guarantee that Mm -hmm. one is better than the other. The Mm -hmm. other part about it is, and, I'm, and this isn't for everybody, but like there are many examples, including Chris Lemma does some of them, of small meetups of high-powered, let's say, knowledgeable people who get together for a, I don't know what the word would be like, a resort meetup. Those kind of gatherings seem to be much more efficient and effective if you really wanted to gain some knowledge because you can pay, go to a really small group in a resort somewhere or whatever and actually talk and get to know and deep dive with people versus how much attention are you really going to get with your mask on 
at a hotel talking to a bunch of people that have 2,000 other people to talk to. I just feel like it's just not a huge benefit to cost and a- hassle ratio, you know, versus the alternative, you know. We'd I'll be fly to your city and talk to you. Um, I've got an announcement for you, Spencer. Um, WP Tonic is going to be doing a conference next October in Reno. It's going to be co- called Conf. WP, uh, um, and uh, um, I'll be holding it. Uh, I'll be looking for support and sponsorship, Tom. Uh, um, and we'll be we'll be hopefully be getting all those that want to build a business on WordPress coming up to Reno and joining the WP Tonic Tribe. I'll be giving more details as the months pass by. I think, um, I, think so, I was looking for was mastermind, like a mastermind. A mastermind. You yeah. might, I might even ask you to fly over and speak at it, Spencer, uh, um, if you're available. Uh, uh, um, send that first class ticket. I'll be right over. Yeah, well, that might be the problem. You'd be baggage, actually. Uh, um, Sally, send the jet, John. Send the jet. <laughs> right. Um, Sally, what do, you, what do you think of this? Ah, uh, 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 yes. Back to our story. Um, about opening applications for in-person WordCamps. And, uh, you know, they've outlined a process. And I think, you know, because people have been asking, people everywhere in organizations that used to have a lot of stuff happen in person, uh, you know, all of the members of the organization are saying, so, like, are we going back? When are we going back? How are we going back? We want to know. We want to be able to plan. We want to whatever... So, you know, the uh, community team put together a flowchart that basically says, like, number one, does your local, you know, community actually allow, you know, indoor gatherings uh, uh, for large groups? You know, if not, obviously, um, uh, uh, you you still have to meet online. And then, you know, uh, does the, uh, you know, venue comply with the, the checklist and, and et cetera. But a lot of it is, is kind of up to well. Uh, uh, first, the organizers making the decision and what they feel comfortable with. And, and second, of course, what's actually going on at the location, since some places have a high vaccination rate and a low COVID rate and, and other people are, you know, other places are the other way around and so on. And, and so... You know, they've set out this here. If you can check these boxes, you can have an in-person gathering. I'm personally not expecting to get my meetup back and, you know, live until 2022. Uh, I mean, we could probably have uh, our group, you know, spaced out, you know, adequately and wearing masks. And and I suspect most of us are vaccinated. but trying to give a presentation wearing a mask you know it's harder to protect project your voice and one of the things uh you know and it's like yeah well Well, they can't they can't eat pizza with their masks on you know uh so you you would just miss a lot i think having having to uh work with that but people do want to go back and so you need some kind of plan for it how many groups will start meeting in person? That's going to really depend on the organizer and the and the group and the members and the, you know, it's not just can you yourself get a vaccine, but hey, do you have kids who are too young to be vaccinated? 
uh, or uh, you know uh, high risk people in your in your family that you uh, don't want to potentially carry the the virus to. It's it's still a it's a fraught environment, and yet of course everyone wants to go back to meeting in person. Well, I think it's going to change a bit, but I think you're right. I think if especially the second half of 2022, if we aren't in a better situation, God help us. That's what I've got to say. We haven't moved yeah. on a bit. Um, but I also think Spencer is right. I think to try, I I, I think at MicroConf, they really did their best. But um, Rob did say they had to cancel about over half of their MicroConf local um, they were planning to do. They had to over half of them cancel them. Um, so I agree with Spencer. Um, the situation to say it's fluid and difficult would be uh, under. Tom, have you got any quick observation about this before we go on story four? Because I do want to wrap this Not up really. in there. Uh, not really. I think you guys covered it. Right. Thank you, Tom. So. I'm going to keep my views about this last story to myself and for my own video so Spencer doesn't blow blow his head off. Uh, um, so, but I, I'm going to ask Sally to remark. This, I introduced this story. It was um, to the panel. Uh, it was a added story, but I think it's fascinating. And I also think it's extremely disturbing, but not that surprising, Sally. So, Facebook aware of Instagram's harmful effect on teenage girl leaks reveal. I found this a very disturbing article, Sally. What did you think about it? Well, as the only uh, person in this group who's ever been a teenage girl, um, uh, 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 one thing is well, that... you talk about yourself, dear. You know. I had uh, seen this headline kind of flash across uh, my screen and, and a, a different one about, you know, Facebook is aware of these things. Um, and, uh, you know, it's disturbing uh, that they should be aware of it and not admit it, but it's also completely in character for Facebook because that's how they've been about everything. And I also think we need to put it in some perspective because. Uh, God help teenage girls, absolutely freaking everything makes them feel worse about their bodies. Uh, everything is designed to make women feel worse about their bodies. Uh, and like, they're not okay. And you have to like buy this makeup and these clothes and follow th that weight loss uh, program and get this surgery. And God even only knows what, but you cannot possibly be okay as you are and uh so like all media has done this um practically since the dawn of time uh i, I would say probably still when they you know that yeah, it was I, drawings of women in courses I, um, i'm not being rude here but i just want to put this to you sally i do understand where you're coming from but this particular group reason why i think it's so alarming is that these um girls at this particular age that you know bulimia and eating disorders this is where it really starts this is where 
a mental disease that could destroy their lives and kill them really starts to really generate. And the cynicism of this company is breathtaking. I mean, the I'm not going to... I'm going to start ranting, and like I say, I'm going to leave it for my yes, video. Yes, uh, I mean, but it's just the teenage girl comment. Oh, do yes. please! Right, so I've just I've, the reason I was late is because I was visiting my 18 year old daughter, soon to be 19. She doesn't have Instagram, um, but along with all her friends and everything, they have certain anxiety issues. I'm very lucky that uh, I've got you know. I obviously we all think our children are beautiful, but she is genuinely beautiful kid. You know, with with a beautiful mind and everything. But there are issues sometimes when we go to a restaurant, you can't ask the person, the waiter or anything for a drink or stuff. I'm not going to share too much. But, you know, there's there's definitely anxiety there. I'm anxious myself sometimes, and people don't believe that. You know, when we have meetings, Tom Tom and Spencer will know this, when we had in-person meetings years ago when I was a a print rep, and I knew that there were 10 board members going to discuss this £2 million print project i'd sit in my car and i'd have to blow into a paper bag you know so i think we all suffer from anxiety and some mental health issues in any any way and and, you know slight bit of depression sometimes too much happiness you know all that kind of stuff i think to blame one business yes they've done the research yes they've kept it kept it secret like sally said i absolutely echo her um thoughts on this has been happening the press the public men have been mentally subjugating women for thousands of years and causing anxiety and causing distress and and stuff like that so you've got yes social media should be held accountable for it i totally agree with that Should they be to blame? Absolutely not. It's a thing that's happened for hundreds and hundreds. You know, Sally. Sally said, "This is what this is what magazines do. What does Vogue do? Cosmopolitan do? They put on a size zero for our American viewers here, size zero person, and say this is how you should be. How are you meant to feel like that when you know when we?" When we look at Muscle Man, yeah, I do understand. Uh, obviously, I'm, I'm not being rude. You can't Andrew. blame social yeah. media, John. That's my yeah, that's my view. That's great because um, we. Um, so, Tom, I I fundamentally disagree, disagree with my co-host here um, because I think it, I want to zero in on the specifics of teenage girls, and they've done this research. They've repressed it. They've they know internally. They've got clear research about how damaging their platform is to this, and they refuse to share that research with academic and academics that have asked for to have access to that data, and they refuse to share it, and they know internally that it is damaging. What can you say about a company that has a culture like that, Tom? This is a repeat of the cigarette industry. It's a complete... I mean, I I don't know what it is, and I'm not I, I'm not saying that you know these social media platforms sought out to create this monster that they've created. But I've got four kids, two are teenagers, and you know the news that they have this data 
is I think the tip of the iceberg of what we're going to learn is a combination of this social media. Like, I don't ever remember when I was a kid having, thinking about depression, you know, all of this stuff. My kids talk about it and think about it all the time, whether it's stuff they deal with or their friends. It is so, it's, I don't even want to say it's, it's uncovered. It's amplified and it's amplified by things. Well, it's amplified by people saying you should take drugs to make this better, you know, medicated drugs, not illegal drugs. You should have therapy. You should do this. You should do this. And I think there's a role that social media and devices play in this with this dopamine rush that that devices play and, and technology plays and the imagery of like everything being so fake out there and people seeing themselves through the, not their own worldview lens, but this worldview lens that's not a true worldview lens from social media. And so I just, I think all of this stuff is, I, I, I think that it's going to take 20 years probably, but I think we're going to look back on this and it's going to be like looking back on the cigarette industry. Maybe the, maybe the, you know, social media giants, it'll come out, are more malicious than we think that they are. But I think this is a very interesting stage. I hope it's one that's passing. And I hope we evolve past this in a generation because I think it's extremely harmful uh, on young kids. Right. Tom, are are you one of those odd people who had a happy childhood? (laughs) I was... Ignorantly blissful, I guess. Yeah, right. You know what else is very concerning, though. I'm I'm nervous about this. I think there's been three three points here. I've been at odds with Andrew on. I'm nervous about that. I don't know what's happening. It's like we're in a reality distortion field here. I usually agree with Andrew on stuff, and and today I'm been the same. I I, through this, I've I've. disagreed with him almost every point he's made, but there we go. Uh, um, Spencer, um, my patience with this company and with its founder is just at all-time bottom. My, I'm not going to start ranting. Like I say, I'm going to leave that to my own video. Uh, well, and, uh, and yet you're spending all your time encouraging people to join you on our Facebook no, I'm, group. No, I'm not. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I am. But we will be moving um, platforms when we get to a certain size, Sally. I can assure you of that. Um, my patience um, with the founder and with this particular company is at all-time low, Spencer. What do you think about it? Um, in this particular case, because I have kids ranging from 10 to 20, I have to say that my concerns like Tom's are not just focused on Facebook. They're focused on social media and the unfortunate extra kicker of the the COVID environment because I have a 10-year-old who is in an environment where he was socially isolated by need, you know, for a year plus. We had limited contact with his friends. He's back to normal school now with the masks. But him and all of his grade are having to have extra intervention from the counselors and the teachers to learn how not a 10-year-old boy, <clears throat> learn how not to be concerned about every little detail of what car his mom is driving or what clothes the kids are wearing or what kind of phone do you have or something. And the reason why this has happened, I could not agree more than with Tom, which is... <laughs> 
in the 70s, we were latchkey kids, but like, yeah, we saw some cool toys on ABC on Saturday morning, but like you wore whatever clothes you had and you threw dirt clods at each other. And that was the way it was. Now everything is judged through the the portal of the, the lazy device of, of the phone or the TV. And you only see in comparison to the TikToker person who's giving their fake imagery of what you're supposed to look like. And for girls, it's whatever. You're so perfect or your makeup is so great. And for boys, ironically, some of the same stuff. Like what material thing do you have? Or what are you wearing? Or what car? Who, who has the brand name Nikes? And who's the schlub I mean, wearing the Kmart? Yeah, shoes, because... And, and I'm not blaming this particular person, but like in YouTube, there's some people that make lots of money because of their viewers. Like, and depending on how they act, they're benevolent. Like this guy, Mr. Beast, does really apparently good stuff with his money, gives away a lot of stuff. But he has so much viewership and so much money that he's able to do weird Oprah-like stuff, such as let's do a gag where we give away brand new Mercedes Benzes to people at the grammar school and stuff. And so my kid has this distorted view of what kind of car a normal person should be driving because Mr. Beast can give away $4 million of cars in a YouTube video. And it's really, I think the metaphor of 20 years down the road, we'll be looking at like, you know, the Marlboro Man. Yeah, if we make it that far without some other repercussions. Yeah, I don't want to overstress it, but I want to really, before we go to the recommendation, I just want your comment on this, Spencer. The Pacific's, around teenage, because we know this between 14 and 18, this particular target group, that the a disease that could lead to many of them dying, you know, it's a really serious disease, isn't it? And they got the data and they refused to share it. I think we're, we've got to... A certain level, Spencer, we've gone beyond the Rubicon. It, it's disgusting, really, in my opinion. What would but you say? The problem say isn't just limited to Facebook. The issue is, you know, they are one of many. My kid does not use Facebook. And, you know, I have a 20-year-old who does, but not really. Most kids don't use Facebook, to be fair about it. They, they, they won't touch it with a 10 football. That's their dad's toy. They use other social media, which is sometimes worse. And that includes things like Instagram or TikTok or, yeah. or whatever the, the three-finger swipe tool of the day is. And it's all the same thing because at the end, everybody's sitting in their room on an iPad or something or a phone instead of going and interacting in the real world where guess what? It's always been hard. You know, the after-school movie of the week was there to help kids in the 70s figure out why you're being picked on isn't fun or, you know, whatever the day of the reckoning may be when you it's grow not up like a no one had eating disorders when I was a kid. You know, they had lots of problems that we didn't discover until later. And maybe well, yeah, people matter of they were already there. Or... Much, except in those Lifetime movies. Um, uh, uh, but, uh, 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 you know, uh, people did have depression. People had, uh, 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 you know, one girl in my class in my expensive, yeah. posh private school had her mom commit suicide. Right. Watch Mad Men and see like every single housewife on that show is on Valium and drinking whiskey. Yeah. My crit, yeah. And, I think we need, we need to go, but when I, I will be making my position is slightly different. I, I totally agree with both of you there. 
but it's it's the cynicism of the company and it's, it's oh yeah, that's completely disgusting. There, there's, you know, there's it's no, the total no one's disputing that. With By the way, John, I, I don't yes. disagree with she, you on that. She's what doing I'm fine. With it's not just them. Yeah, so you no, can't. I just, agree. You know this, we, and we make a habit of this in WP Tonic, which is which is fine. We it's a new, it's, it's a new picking, story. Picking, yeah, I know, but we pick on Facebook or Instagram or the big names and everything. But you know, you got to look at the the, the underground mm. social media, the chorus of this world, and it, you know where people are asking mm. dumbass questions. You know, and people are giving dumbass answers and Q and on. And we need to we need to continue we we need to continue this in the bonus content. Let's go on to our recommendation. Mine is. Um, a podcast, the um, Zen Founder. Um, it's done by Dr. Cheryl Rawling, the um, the wife of Rob Rawling. To say that they are a quality couple and a power couple would be a. I had I had the pleasure of going out with dinner with both of them on Wednesday and being with them, and to say that they are delightful and fantastic couple would be an understatement. And she does a fantastic podcast um, aimed at founders around mental health and other issues. And it's a fantastic podcast. It would be in the show notes. I can't recommend it more. And like I say, they're just a fantastic and generous couple. So, Spencer... Oh, we got oh, we got the cat back. Oh, dear, we've got the star of the show. Um, Spencer, what is your recommendation to the tribe? Um, I want to recommend an educational thing that's a little... I have a couple of good ones, but... No, you know, I'm going to give this one instead. I, I wanted to do two, but the one I'm going to post in here is <clears throat> um, called number, N-U-M-B-R dot D-E-V. D-E-V, sorry. And what it is, is imagine you're doing some calculations. I'm sorry, you know, get rid of that little extra thing then. So N-U-M-B-R.D-E-F. It's an online calculator that allows you to type in your stuff and then you can create a document, share a document with it. So like I was doing some math with a joint venture partner or something and I had a whole bunch of stuff and I was like, let me do my thing. And I'm working on my local screen. And normally you have to share your screen and show the whatever. Now you can just type it into there and it actually does the calculations and you can save it and copy and paste it. So it's ridiculously simple. So it it's, it solves story problems. Is that, that what you're saying? No, it's a calculator that you can show online, but it keeps track of what you've typed in and also does the math for you. Well, was, well was that's you... what I mean. It's like those problems in on your, those, you know, word problems in math class where you have to, it's more like I got a list of stuff that costs things or that you're charging me for and I want to talk about it and you can paste it or type it in and the two of you can see it. So it's a note, it's a calculator with a notepad and it's just That's like right. a tool to keep in your browser. I'm like sure, I'm sure um, Angie's making it so in Slack for me. Um, Sally, have you um, have you got something you want to recommend to the trial? Yes, I would like to recommend WP Sheet Editor. Uh, uh, I've put the link into the chat here and it's already in, in Slack. This is uh, to let you do bulk edits on uh, your WordPress entries uh, uh, in a spreadsheet. Uh, within the WordPress admin. Uh, so if you don't have to like, you know, import and export and stuff. But if you need to, you know, 
add excerpts to a bunch of things at once or uh, fix all of the featured images because uh, you're migrating from a site where they were all like 100 pixels uh, <clears throat> or something like that. It really does save you a bunch of time. There's a free version and uh, various uh, premium add-ons. That's great. Um, Tom, put your recommend if you've got one, into chat, and then um, my great co-host will paste it into Slack for you. Uh, um, so, Tom, um, what's your recommendation for the? So, channel? I got a I got a life changing new one. It's called Quantum Surfing, wow. and uh, it's actually like it's a little hard for me to explain. I'm going to read a snippet, but I just... I, I, I have that problem regularly, Tom. <laughs> it's it's basically a coaching mentorship group that you can join and program you can go through that basically um, it's, it's, it's designed for entrepreneurs and creators. And it's a framework that combines neuroscience, quantum mechanics, and some spirituality but it's not this like foofy stuff that's all like ideas. It's actually designed for entrepreneurs and business people. And so far I've been through one of the courses and it's amazing. The perspective and freshness of the way to sort of interpret the world as an entrepreneur. And the, the analogy is we've been trained through all the tools people give us in the world, like productivity and time management, this to be really good paddlers. But in order to be, to catch the wave and surf, surfing is effortless. And so it's not about how fast and hard you can paddle because you're becoming more and more efficient at productivity and planners and this, that, and the other. It's all about catching the wave that you're riding and surfing which becomes effortless instead of paddling. And it's it's really been a profound course so far. And I'm pretty sure that if surfing was effortless, the surfers would not have those washboard abs. That's true, yeah. I, I'd like to think it's swimming out to the waves. That's the hard part. <laughs> so obviously, um, I think I, I know what Andrew would want to recommend and talk about. So I left him last. Andrew, surprise me. I think it's going to be a certain Bertha that you want to recommend, isn't it? Listen, we've worked really hard on this. We've, we've had quite a big dev team on this, and myself and Vito. Um, it's our product, Bertha.ai. We felt that we, it, you know, WordPress needed a fully integrated AI copywriter system. So we're using GPT-3. There's no secret on that. We've trained it because we've built, between us, we've worked out Vito and I built over 4,000 websites between us. So we kind of know what the content, the type of content, the length of content, what people need to mm. be able to write in there. And it's not just for WordPress developers or WordPress designers or, or freelancers. It's for customers. So, you know, it's an opportunity for developers to be able to say, look, I can write the copy for you. Um, and I'll leave this, I'll leave Bertha on. And, you know, this is how you use it. And this is how we, generate content for you because content is king tom knows this you know he chucks out an immense amount of content and just getting the ideas you know there's a blog writing suggestion it gives you five titles so go and have a look at bertha.ai is a free trial you get a trial of a thousand words you'll lose them you'll 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 use them in seconds because it's just so so much fun to play with and um you know we've got a great deal great deal going on and uh 
We love it. It works with Divi, Elementor, Gutenberg, and Classic Builder. And we've now um, we've got Oxygen and uh, Beaver Builder and uh, and WP Bakery in it as well, and Visual Composer. Slightly, there's a couple of compatibility issues, but the lovely thing is, is that the, the Page Builder guys have have uh, come out to us and said, "Listen, we we want to help you integrate this properly." So, and they're loving it. So. Really I look forward good. to using um, it and learning more. Um, Andrew, sign, up, sign up for free, my friend. Yeah. Not a problem. Please do that. Please, the tribe, support the show and support Andrew. Mm, he is thank a, you very much. He's become a great co-host, and thank you for your support, Andrew. It's much appreciated. So, uh, so panel, let's wrap this up. Spencer, how can people find out more about you and uh, what you're up to? Well, I would send them over to launchflows.com, where we just had our 4.0 update, and mm. uh, check out what's open. There and uh, go in our Facebook group as well. At uh, it's launch lows in the Facebook groups area. Yeah, Sandy, how can people find out more about you and what you <clears throat> are up to? Uh, pretty much anywhere but Facebook. Uh, I am at Sally Getch on Twitter and Instagram, and uh, <clears throat> WP Fangirl more or less everywhere else. And Tom, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? Sure. Uh, Tom at Convesio.com, LinkedIn, Facebook, Convesio on Twitter. Uh, any of those places will, will get to me. And Andrew, how can people find out more about Andrew Palmer? Best place to go is this is andrewpalmer.com, the WP Tonic Facebook group. And uh, of course, the Bertha Facebook group as well, because we're, I'm really focused on getting Bertha out there and, and helping people create content. Yeah, um, I will be, um, I'm seeking input from you, Tribe. I I really have lost patience with Facebook, so I probably would be considering moving the the group to Slack. Um, I want your input about that, Tribe, um, because like I say, my patience with this particular company has really come to end, really. Uh, um so if you want us to move it to Slack, I will consider it. Um, I also, please sign up for the newsletter. Uh, I will be ranting my own extra views, my own kind of panache to what the panel. Please also at the present moment, join us on the Facebook group um, where you'll be able to watch the bonus content. Thank you for joining us today. Support the tribe, tell your friends about the tribe and about the podcast. It's how we grow our community. I'll see you next week, folks. Bye. Thanks for listening to the WP Tonic Podcast, the podcast that gives you a dose of WordPress medicine twice a week. 